Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Friday, November 4th. We are in the final weekend of this midterm campaign, just hours left on the clock until the votes are counted, and you have to pack your patience before we'll know all the results. As we've talked a lot about on this podcast, as many of you listening know, this is an economy election. This is an election where voters have consistently been saying for months now that the economy, inflation, is the top-of-mind issue. Obviously, lots of other issues are at play, but that is the issue that is top-of-mind. And we got the last bit of pre-election economic data today in the October jobs report. So the U.S. economy has added 261,000 jobs in October. That is fewer than was added the prior month in September. And that actually may be a good sign. Well, maybe if you're the Federal Reserve, it's a good sign because what the interest rate hikes are attempting to do is cool the economy off. So if the economy is not adding as many jobs robustly each month as it had been, it could be a sign that some of that medicine, if you will, that the Fed is trying to inject into the system is working. But if you have fears that a recession is coming, if you are a company that's trying to plan out into the future and you think a recession is coming, you could imagine how that jobs picture could get worse. Now, whether or not it's going to hit that sweet spot that the Fed is looking for, that so-called soft landing, where they can cool off the inflation but not drive the economy into a recession, well, that is just something that remains to be seen. You know, given how complex this economic picture is, it's tough to just sort of put it on a bumper sticker, and that's what sort of sells at campaign time. But this is how President Biden out in California today framed the economic news. Folks, our economy continues to grow and add jobs, even as gas prices continue to come down. But we got a lot more to do. But we also know folks are still struggling with inflation. It's our number one priority. That's why I signed the Inflation Reduction Act, to bring down the cost of everyday things that we talk about around the kitchen table. He was out there trying to give a boost to California Congressman Mike Levin, a frontline Democrat who's locked in a tight contest for re-election, just one of roughly 80 congressional seats that are deemed competitive. I mean, some of those are true toss-ups, but some of those are just slightly leaning one way or the other. And what to watch for on election night? See if some of those more secure seats, some of those likely Democratic seats start flipping red. That's how you'll know a wave may be coming for Republicans. But in terms of battle for control of the United States Senate, that is on a knife's edge. I mean, each one of these battleground Senate contests are total nail biters. And guess what? The fact that they're nail biters pretty much ensures we're going to not know which party controls the Senate on Tuesday night when you go to sleep after you've watched CNN's election coverage. It may go on for a while. And here's why. First of all, Georgia, you'll recall from the last time around, if you don't get to 50% plus one, there's a runoff. So it is very possible 
that if indeed battle for control of the Senate comes down to Georgia, well, we won't even know who will control the Senate, which party, until the results of that December 6th runoff. So it could really go into overtime. But let's say Georgia is not the thing, the one state that is going to determine control at the end of the day. It still is going to require us getting resolution in close contest in states that have a history of taking a while to report all their vote. Pennsylvania, an example. And here's a state where they count Election Day vote first. Republicans tend to show up in larger numbers on Election Day. So it's going to look really red initially when you watch the returns come in in Pennsylvania. And then in Pennsylvania, the law says you can't even open and process absentee ballots until the polls open on Election Day. And it's going to take them a while. And there's still going to be a substantial amount of absentee mail vote. Not quite the level of 2020 at the height of the pandemic, but probably more male absentee voting than any election other than 2020. And it's going to take officials a while to count it. Democrats tend to show up more robustly in the absentee male vote, in the pre-election vote, in the early in-person vote. And so it's going to take a while for Pennsylvania to filter in sort of that Democratic bucket of votes into the overall totals. Now, it still may mean that Memedaz wins the election. He may get more votes. But I can pretty much guarantee you that whatever the lead looks like for Memedaz at the very beginning of the night, even if he ends up winning the contest, it's going to be a much more narrow contest than what appears initially. And it's that extended count that you saw back in 2020 that Donald Trump just stepped into that and sowed a dishonest uncertainty into it, claiming that votes were just appearing. Well, they weren't just appearing. It was taking some time for the mail vote to be counted in places, and then that would get added to the totals. Donald Trump was trying to act as if it was some mysterious, fraudulent thing. And he's been trying that now for two years. That is not the case. But given that this is the reality of our elections now, you can see some other candidates are starting to leave open the possibility of questioning legitimacy of results. Give a listen to what incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnson said out in Wisconsin on Thursday. I sure hope I can, but I can't predict what the Democrats might have planned. Um, You know, we're not trying to do anything to gain partisan advantage. We're just doing whatever we can to restore confidence. It sure seems like there's an awful lot of, uh, uh, in the past, a lot of attempt on the part of Democrats to make it easier to cheat. So when you have like five true toss-up Senate races in a 50-50 Senate where Republicans need just a net gain of one to win control, you can pretty much guarantee yourself that this is going to take just a little bit before we can get total resolution to that question of which party controls the Senate. One other political note on this Friday that I want to make sure you all heard before we let you go. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, was in Iowa yesterday. And clearly, it was not just about supporting the Republican ticket there, though he was doing that. It was also seeding the ground in the first state that hosts the presidential nominating contest, the Iowa caucuses. And just listen to how former President Trump teased a potential third run for the White House. I will very, very, very probably do it again, okay? Very, very, very probably. Sources familiar with the matter tell CNN that The Trump team is in discussions about a potential Trump announcement the week of November 14th, perhaps on that date. One, it's after his youngest daughter, Tiffany, is getting married on November 12th down in Mar-a-Lago. And Trump is looking to potentially enter this race for the White House prior to Thanksgiving. He wants to be the pace car if indeed he does choose to get in and dictate the state of play, which is why we may see him get in early. 
He's also anticipating a lot of success with Republicans on election night, and he wants to take some credit for that. So watch carefully from election night forward, Donald Trump's movements, and be on the lookout for a potential announcement for a third Trump run for the White House. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a product of CNN Audio. Abby Swanson is our executive producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Krista Bowe and Anna Sterla. We'll be back Monday. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com briefing, netsuite.com briefing.